Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lax rats alike, welcome back to another episode of The Crease Dive. Today is Thursday, March 9th, and March Madness is upon us. We just had, what, seven one-goal games over this past week of college lacrosse. I'm Jordy from Barstool. With me, as always, we've got Dukes in the lab. Dukes, I know you're a big college hoops guy, a lot of, a lot of buzzer beaters to be had, but be watched by you over the next couple weeks but holy shit what a weekend we were gifted in college across we had overtimes we had close games we had dartmouth coming back from down 7-1 uh pretty wild weekend in college lax how you feeling right now couldn't be better a little disappointed in the bar scene uh i was watching notre dame syracuse i mean notre dame maryland on my phone underneath the table some people are excuse guys i'm not an excuse guy uh, I got Big Ten Plus on my phone working, watching that game, watching Pat Cav, Kavanaugh brothers. Torton for both the brothers, still on, by the way, for people that were calling me like an idiot, not going to happen. Can't chase that record. Fully, fully on. Um, it was a great weekend for lacrosse. It was a great week to have a week. Um, but, yeah, I'm obviously in college basketball mode right now, college basketball brain. Um, but it's, it's nice to have lacrosse. It's nice to have weekday lacrosse. That, last night, watching Virginia Hopkins – little midweek treat fantastic well so i i would actually like to start the episode then with a little bit of a i've got one bugaboo about weekday lacrosse and this is a it's it's a selfish bugaboo of me but now that so my my season for coaching high school is is now in full force so i've got practice every day in the afternoon I love a good weekday game. If you give it to me at like 7 p.m., maybe maybe a nice little 8 o'clock start. I think that there's an 8 o'clock start. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. I think we've got uh, St. Joe's and Penn at an 8 o'clock start tonight. Perfect. But Virginia Hopkins going at 4 o'clock yesterday in the middle of my I'm, – I'm warming up goalies, and I've got – I'm just shooting little one-handers at my goalies as I'm streaming the game on my phone in the other hand. So uh, for all the schedule makers out there, think about us high school coaches, right? Think about all of us who got to get the boys dialed in and can't be watching games during it. So let's, let's get those weekday games to night games. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Virginia Hopkins was a great one. Obviously, uh, yeah, I, I had to watch most of Duke Syracuse in uh, in an airport bar. So I went down to Austin, Texas this past yeah. weekend, cooking a little bit of barbecue. So I didn't get a chance to watch uh, many games over this weekend. Just saw the clips and the highlights and everything like that. But had to stream uh, Duke Syracuse on my phone in this airport bar. I asked the, the the bartender, I said, hey, any chance you guys have ESPN Plus? He said, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Uh, so I had to just stream that one on my phone and couldn't get it on the TV. Yeah, is that like a – yeah, did, did, asking someone, asking a bartender at a bar, they have ESPN Plus and they don't know what ESPN Plus is, run out of that bar. Yeah, so, it was – No, it was I mean, the, the airport bar, but like a bar in general. Like if you're oh, going yes. To, like if you're going to a bar – like obviously airport bars – they just have like the basic cable package, but just a general r- rule of thumb is if the bartender at the bar doesn't know, like they might not have ESPN plus if they don't know what ESPN plus is wrong. He was like, what channel's that? I was like, all right, I'm just, I got it on my phone. Um, ESPN yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> this, this guy was all over the place. I eventually had to get him to like change the golf channel because it was showing the Puerto Rico open. I wanted to watch Bay Hills. He like didn't realize that two tournaments were going. I was like, all right, you're an airport bartender for a reason. Um, shout out to airport bartenders though. They are, uh, they're, they're the backbone of, of, of American society. Um, 
but yeah, so I mean, we'll probably end up keeping this one quick. Just again, I, I didn't get a chance to watch a ton of games because I was throwing a bunch of meat on the smoker. You're in college basketball mode. Uh, but should we just start? Yeah, I mean, let, let's just start with the biggest one of the week. Maybe a, a potential Memorial Day weekend showdown. Uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish taking on Maryland. Dukes, this was a, a good way for you to expel the demons of the 2021 quarterfinals. Uh, so Notre Dame, Maryland in College Park. This is this is what we blog for. This is what we podcast for, for matchups just like this. Uh Great back-and-forth game. Notre Dame down by two late in the game, climbing back. And then who else but Chris Cav just being a dog, going to the rack in the final two minutes of this game, little backhand crease dive to tie it up. And then Big Bro had to shut down the game in triple overtime, taking on Brett Maker uh, with that triple overtime dagger and then putting on what I believe to be one of the best celebrations that we've seen in college across in quite some time, the little Timu Solani launched the glove up in the air, shoot down the duck. Uh, everything about that final was magnificent. That's it. That's exactly what I was going to say. Great game. Excellent goal. And the celebration stole the show. It was like, I don't want to use the, now like uh, cherry on top, but I mean, you, you couldn't end that game any better. And like, it was a triple overtime game. The celebration blew me off my feet, took me off the dance floor, legitimately picked me up and felt like I was floating. And like, here's the thing, like the goal itself. Yeah, it was great because you think about who he's going up against and he's getting topside on, on maker, but like, it wasn't like the sickest goal we've ever seen. Right. It was a little, little sweep and he was able to get a good shot. off. He had his hands free enough to get a good shot off ball ends up in the back of the net. The goal itself, maybe not super memorable. The celly. That really capped it off. And our, our good friend, uh, Dan Aburn, uh, got a couple great, uh, great, great view, great clips of that goal, the celebration. Another think think he got some good footage of the Chris Cav goal as well. So if you guys aren't following Dan Aburn on, uh, on Instagram, make sure you check that out. Cause he always has some sick flicks. All right. So here's, here's a celebration for those of you. This is why you subscribe to YouTube, go to the YouTube right now, subscribe, comment, like, show us some love. Here's the, Hot to hot. Hot to hot. Hot to hot. Brothers. Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. But that's how you know that Pat Cav is a dog because. A lot of guys, they score that goal and like all of a sudden they, they just don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know what to do with their hands. Like maybe they like rip the helmet off and like just start running around like a crazy person to be able to score a goal of that magnitude and then also have the wherewithal to break out that celebration. That's a guy who just gets it. That's a guy who's going to get the job done time and time again. Do you know how good at lacrosse you have to be to not be like, oh, here's going to be my, my goal celebration to be like, oh, when I hit a game winner. Like this is gonna be like a celebration. Like he knew that wasn't like just a goal celebration. He's like, that's gonna be like the one that I score when I score a big time goal. Yeah, no, he's not breaking that out for you know like a third quarter goal against Cleveland State. He ain't breaking that out against Furman. <laughs> not at all. Um, but you know, it's still a great game though, uh, where you know both these teams think 
you know, we'll would love to see this be a, a rematch in the tournament. Uh, should be pretty much a, a tournament game every year. So as long as Donna does her goddamn job this year and doesn't rob us of an all-time tournament, Donna, you fucking idiot, uh, we'll, we'll end up seeing those two teams. Who knows? I mean, dude, with the way that college across looks so far this year, like there's so much parity besides everyone, like besides Virginia, Virginia is just so much better than everybody else and Notre Dame. Um, even though I'll give Notre Dame, I'm going to actually, I'm going to give Notre Dame the respect because the more that I watch Maryland and I think you alluded to like, do they have like a stuff there? They're like, I would put them as big. I would put them as much of a shoe in to Memorial day weekend as Notre Dame in Virginia. Yeah, um, I mean, I think what Owen Murphy and uh, and Eric Spanos. I, I I said before, you got to watch out for Eric Spanos as the season keeps going and he starts getting a little bit more comfortable in that offense. I think that he's going to be a problem for a lot of defenses. And he had himself a, a big day uh, against Notre Dame. I think he had like three goals, three maybe four. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, but that Notre Dame defense keeping again. Maryland's offense might not have a Bernhardt or a Wisnowskis this year, but they still have plenty of guys who can fill up a stat sheet. Um, and, and that Notre Dame defense does a good job of making sure that not one like single person beats them. Yeah. And, and, and the other part that I was like, I, I think about when I watch them play, yes, they, they don't have that maybe uh, number one, like that guy that could go number one in a, in a PLL draft. No, but when you have Luke Weirman at X and you can just win that offense and that pool of talent that they have that many more possessions and you have that backbone of that defense, the Maryland defense is legit. Like they, they are definitively a top three defense in the country. I mean, they held Notre Dame. I mean, we know what, we know what Notre Dame's always going to be, but to hold, triple overtime, no goals. Like, I don't know. And then Ruppel and Cage. I mean, I was wrong about Teddy Dolan. Uh, Ruppel, Ruppel is, is I'm not going to say him, but, He's doing the job for a freshman, and he's only going to get better. Um, it's not like there's been that big of a drop-off between him and McNanny, in my opinion. So um, I'm, I've just been very impressed with Maryland, when I feel like, weirdly, I'm not going to say people are sleeping on them, but they're not being talked about like they usually are. Yeah, I, it's just tough to go yeah. from being one of the most historically dominant teams yeah, exactly. that we've seen in lacrosse history to a team that – you know, still a, a definite Memorial Day weekend contender, but not like a, hey, like make sure that you guys don't have plans for Memorial Day Monday because you guys are definitely playing in that championship game. Um, yeah, and here's, you, you might, it might not be Teddy Dolan's year. He might not have had his best stuff. Uh, but, didn't get a chance. But didn't, didn't get a chance. But you can also still be a big-time Garden City guy and uh, get, give them their props on uh, being, being top 25 in Ty Zander's national high school rankings. Again, I mean, seriously, this program, this town, man, just like produces talent like you can never see before. MCLA studs, D1 studs, all-time leading goal scorers, uh, MCLA studs. <laughs> a, a, a co-host on the top 100 top lacrosse 100 podcast. Co-host. Uh, a lacrosse TikTok star. Uh, yeah, I mean, dude, I just really quick, now that I brought up the like, joking like lacrosse tick. We have a TikTok follow us, Stool Crease Dive. Uh, I've been, I, I, I tried to go at trolls. I'm trying to just bodies these nerds. And the, it, it, there's too many of them. It, it's, there's too many that rattled my cage. And I, I had to put the phone down for like three days. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not like a huge TikTok guy, but the one day I went on there and I just like kept flipping through the 
through the for you page, and it was just like Dukes' face, Dukes' face, Dukes' face. And I'm like, is this the same video? Nope. No, you're just, just, just all body. Yeah, people are saying lacrosse people aren't athletes. Look at I, Matt. Yeah. Are you telling me that I, he's not an athlete? I mean, I, I think that. I, th- I think that your record right now on TikTok is just a lot stacking up a lot of W's. Yep. Um, another, another big uh, overtime game from over the weekend. And yeah, this is one that I watched most of the first half from an airport bar. Um, then I, I was luckily able to catch the end of this game because I was boarding the plane for most of the fourth quarter. Turns out we Board, board the plane for me to fly from Austin to Houston and uh, we get delayed for 35 minutes. So I'm able to just kind of sit there in and uh, crammed up in my little economy seat streaming the Syracuse first Duke. So Duke in the dome. Now they've never won in the carrier dome before and they never will because Syracuse, like the idiots that they are decided to get a new sponsor for the joint. Uh, but they are, Duke is now undefeated in the JMA wireless dome uh, after Syracuse is able to bring that game to overtime against Duke. Uh, so that's a, a moral victory in itself for the orange, a new, a new look orange. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was uh, Duke getting it done in Cuse for the first time. Do we have this goal at all? I don't know if we if we talked about having this one uh, brought up or not. But freshman Charles Balsamo getting it done in overtime uh, for the game winner. So first time that Duke wins in Syracuse. Also the first time that they've been wearing Cascade helmets in quite some time. Um, one great game. Two, Will Mark had the game. Like I don't know how much to look in. To Syracuse. Will Mark versus Wilhelm. Yeah, it makes like 57 saves. So I, I don't know. I'm not going to say that Syracuse is back. I mean, when your goalie saves 50 shots and uh, Duke hits like 27 pipes, I, it just seems like Duke could have won by a lot more. It do you shots, think if the shots do, were do really you think that, Do you think that we need to potentially maybe get an investigation going here. I mean, the fact that Syracuse coached by Gary gate, they're using gate nets. Uh, it's at home. Maybe there's, maybe there's a little bit of tomfoolery afoot here. Maybe they're kind of bringing in those pipes a little bit more. Maybe they're not, maybe they're just a centimeter off from regulation size. And when you've got guys like Brennan O'Neill and Dyson Williams and Tommy, like these guys who are just dialed as dialed can be, that little that little centimeter could be all the difference between splashing a corner and bringing one off the pipe. I wouldn't. I, I'm not kidding when I say this. I wouldn't put it, like put it past some greasy Canadian. <laughs> just Owen Hilt's going out there like the night before a game. Yeah. Just... <laughs> just like both of them, just like coming, like just like squeezing the pipes in. <laughs> um, I will say though, uh, Cole Curse. It it was good to see him like have his day as the number one guy on that Syracuse offense. I think that that so should good. probably like that should probably be their, their move going forward. I think, uh, I think what maybe, maybe Evan Malloy has been uh, run, has, has been really making the movement to get Cole cursed more involved in that Syracuse offense. I think it's mostly been him saying that, but would definitely co-sign that movement. Uh, Cole cursed. Anytime you have a cursed on your roster, 
Use him. Run the ball through him. I mean, look at what Cornell did uh, this past weekend with CJ Kirst and, and Billy Coyle having uh, four goals each as Cornell just dismantled Ohio State. Ohio State right now firmly on fraud alert. We also said – we said maybe episode one or two is like right after that uh, that Albany game that Syracuse played. I was like, Cole Kirst is not a boy. He's a full-grown man's back. He can – He's meaty. He can run through you, um, dude. The Curse family is just as beefy as it dude, gets. I would like they're that like we talk about them as like one of the top like lacrosse families. I wouldn't fuck. Wait, no. I wouldn't fuck with a single one of them. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the way that you the way that you paused there. Yeah, I I, I had no idea Pause. which direction that was going. Um, I also wouldn't fuck, but yeah, yeah, it's. It's like they, they could all kick my ass. I'm, I'm willing to put my hand up and say that. Well, that's that's big of you to admit. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Cornell getting that. Uh, so if we just roll right back into the uh, the curse family, Cornell, big win against uh, Ohio State. Billy Coyle, CJ curse four goals each um, this game, you know, Probably final score looked a little bit closer than it actually was. Uh, so that Cornell or that Ohio State defense um, showing, you know, a little little bit of crack in their armor there. Uh, and, you know, that's probably going to happen when you play against one of the best teams in the country, like Cornell, uh, who look like they could very easily make their return to Memorial Day weekend. Um, anything about either of those teams stand out to you. I mean, this was like the first, I think, real test that Cornell had. Um, I, I had mentioned after their first game of the season, I wasn't like blown away by them when they played against Albany. I think they won that game 12 to 10, something like that. Um, and it just looked like maybe they weren't going to be world beaters this year. Granted, it was their first game of the season uh still just getting back into the swing of things. And I think that this game right here is where we saw the real Cornell come out. I had Cornell, but I also said Ohio State had one of the best defenses in the country. I'm taking that back. I'm taking that back. Um, Notre Dame, Maryland, Virginia. I'd I'd say. Yeah, and like even just even with the style that Virginia really plays with how much they want to go, they'll let some goals get by just by the I feel like their pace. Um, like Bobby Van Buren is still still a man. I had I had Cornell. Uh, I mean, they're, they're going to be really good. Uh, they'll have a nice exit at Hofstra in the quarterfinals to probably like Virginia or something because um, I have my final four already set. Do, do tell. Four, I have the Duke Blue Devils. Three, Maryland. Two, Notre Dame. One, Virginia. And I don't see any other possible. I think this is a year that – all like the, the the top college programs, like you know, the ones that we're so used to seeing the Final Four, they're just gonna be like like fuck this is like a fuck Donna revenge tour where they're gonna all be like like it's almost like uh and I, I know college basketball brain. Last year the ACC got a lot of disrespect in basketball. And then it was like in the Elite Eight, five out of the eight teams were all from the ACC. It was a fuck it was a fuck the NCAA tour last year for the ACC in college basketball. I see that this year with lacrosse. I think it's gonna be all the blue bloods. Yeah, and I agree with you a lot there. At the same time, though, it like it doesn't even feel like it, it doesn't feel like it's one of those years. It feels like there's more parity in college across this year than in the previous few. 
Um, but still at the end, so it's not like it's like just the top dogs who are pretty sick this year. Uh, but in the end, cream rises to the top and yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more with you there, especially, I mean, you just look at what this Virginia offense is able to do and just bully teams relentlessly. And so, I mean, we just got done watching, uh, Virginia take down Hopkins on a nice little Tuesday afternoon game in Homewood. Uh, so what 18 goals on the day really only scored by like three different guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Patrick McIntosh comes in, he has six goals. Uh, Griffin shots. Oh my God. Griffin shots yeah. an absolute man amongst boys out there. I want to say that he had six as well. Um, who else had a big day for, for Virginia? Uh, oh, Z- oh, so Griffin Schutz had four. Xander Dixon uh, had had a six piece. So no um, no Peyton Cormier. He was out of this game. And Schellenberger Schellenberger's had one goal in Virginia's last three games, and Virginia's still just dominating everybody. But that's what makes him, in my opinion, so so like that's why I think you know I'm not saying like. Toward time, best player in my opinion, achievement thing. So I don't want to just like, I think he's the best yeah. player in the country. I don't know if he won the Tawarton, but he doesn't need to, in my opinion, to prove that he's the best. Like he can kill you so many different ways. It's it's scary. His vision, his passing ability that he's displayed over the past like two seasons, I'd say. Like his freshman year, I don't. It was there, but not as much the past two years. It's fucking insane. The passes that he's making, especially this year, his vision, in- incredible. Um, even that pass that led to that Griffin shuts goal where he like swam the middle of the defense. It was like to the backside GLA was disgusting. Um, well, yeah, and like the amount of attention that opposing defenses have to give yes. to Schellenberger opens up the field to so many other guys. So, uh, you know, yeah. it allows a guy like Griffin Schutz who – Listen, if you put six defenders right in front of him, the man is so big that he'll probably still run through all of them. But the fact that, you know, teams have to be aware of Schellenberger at all times, because at any moment he could take off and just destroy them. It just opens up the field for everybody. Um, Yeah. And I'm with you. Like, like I I think Schellenberger and Pat Cav right now, and you could put Brendan O'Neill in the mix as well, but Schellenberger and Pat Cav where like, if you're just looking at the end of the season at who the towards and finalists are going to be. And like, if you're just looking at who scored the most goals, neither of those guys are going to be up there. Um, but you know what, what they do is they both kill you in every other way. And then they let the rest of their teammates be the ones that kill you with the goals. And that's one of the things that I both like uh, Brennan's Brennan's kind of the same way, but I think Brennan is more of an initiator than the two of them. I wouldn't say like that. Anyone looks at Brennan O'Neill's game and it's like, what, what if, what a feeder he is. They're just like, what a physical dominant lacrosse player that can just get to the rack, fucking rip it lefty. Um, Pat Cav and Schellenberger. They've had games, even like Pat Cav didn't necessarily have the best game against Maryland. Or he probably, and he had three points, and I'm saying that. For the game yeah. went two assists. For the most part, I felt like McCarr did make or whatever. You guys know I suck at pronunciating. I always go back and forth on yeah. that one. But anyway, bottom line is they don't have to do that much, and they open up so many different uh, things for their, for their teammates. And 
I think that both their midfield units are a lot better than Dukes right now, but they're scary. Like, I think that Notre Dame and Virginia are just on a collision course for Memorial Day Monday. And I think that's like one of the things that like that separates them between the rest of the crop is their midfield units. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. I could see them uh, maybe splitting the two regular season matchups, and then a nice little Memorial Day Monday rubber match. Yeah, and it, that the the game planning that's going to go behind, like you know, what's funny. You know, there's, there's, you know what, there is a little part of me though that like we'll just keep between this since it's not between me and you since this isn't on like a public pod, podcast on like YouTube, Apple, Spotify, is a little part of me feels like this is almost like Maryland and Virginia last year, where Virginia, Virginia being Maryland, Notre Dame being Virginia. A little part of me start like believing that a tiny bit, but we're not going to publicly say that. Yeah, we don't, we don't have. Where, to. like. No, no one, no one needs to know about how. No one needs to know about how scared you are of Virginia. I'm fucking terrified, man. <laughs> um. All right. Well, like I said, we're gonna try to keep this one a little bit shorter. We say that every week, and we still go long. Um. But just a, a few closing remarks from this past week of college across. Uh. One. Quick. Quick little let, 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 let's let's give it up a little bit for Georgetown finally getting that first win of the season a win that they desperately needed so they're able to get that uh, win against Princeton and listen it's it's a good win a win that you know we probably would have expected them to get in the beginning of the season maybe not as much after they dropped the first three um, so yeah so Georgetown over Princeton uh, speaking of of teams just bullying the Ivy League right now Penn State might be back. I, I'm I'm at least open to the idea of Penn State being back. They get back-to-back wins against the Ivies. They've been bullying the nerds lately. Uh, so Penn State, they take down uh, Yale last week. And then this week, uh, they pretty much bullied Penn. Penn wasn't able to get shit going in the fourth quarter. I think they were scoreless in the fourth quarter. Um, so that Penn offense still needs to figure out a way to – get themselves going because when they're not going, they are, they're pretty bad when, when they're going, they're fine, but they're a little too susceptible to just stalling out uh, what they did in the fourth quarter against Penn state. So Penn state might be back. Uh, but the good news for the nerds, it's Dartmouth's year. So Dartmouth still undefeated. Um, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and give my, uh, my mid major major performance of the week. Okay. Right now. Um, and I know that you kind of made this joke last week about an Ivy League player, but realistically, like Dartmouth, I, I, they're Ivy League, sure, but they're still like a mid major program. Um, but Emmett Paradine, right? The, the, uh, the freshman from Dartmouth, seven goals, three assists against Hobart. Uh, so huge game out of Emmett Paradine for the Dart, for the Dart guys, uh, seven and three. Big win for for Dartmouth. Huge one for Dartmouth. Uh, their celebration in the locker room. Um, I'll pull it up right now. Some people had some thoughts. Um, love love to see the boys uh, just get after. Proud of you guys. Okay, come back and battle back. <laughs>
Now, I saw someone say it got quickly deleted last night on the timeline. Not going to say who, not going to say anything. Somebody said it was that like lacrosse tries to make all these videos of like the locker rooms, but it comes across so cringe. Do you think that was cringe? What? No, that's the boys. The boys are feeling it right now. I couldn't agree more. That that's a that's a squad who. Yeah, it almost felt like it rubbed me the wrong way. Second off, I think that if you saw it cringe, the only reason it could possibly potentially be cringe is because they blooped out the curse words. Yeah, I I didn't see this. uh, I didn't see this tweet, so I actually have no idea who you're talking about. It was up for it was up for five minutes, but um, Um, it was up so. it was up for five minutes, but my point being is the only way that it could potentially be cringe is just let the boys be unfiltered. If you're going to release a video like that, give me all the unfiltered mic'd up moments. Yes, and I, I get maybe that the, the university wouldn't want that to get out. It's not like the uh, – if it was the PLL, they they well, <laughs> I feel like they sometimes – I feel like they – they're pretty pretty excessive on the uh, on, on, on the well, when, when it's Annie Towers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but when, yeah, go on the YouTube and, and but um no, but like that's that's a group of guys who listen. Dartmouth always counted out. I think I think we've said multiple episodes so far this season where there are six Ivies and then there's Dartmouth. Um, so they've been counted out. They start the season four and zero. They've got a big game coming up this weekend against North Carolina. Uh, then they'll get into their Ivy League schedule and with the way that they're feeling it right now the fact that they can come back from being down seven to one against hobart give me give me a couple upsets in this ivy league schedule there this is this is a team where you're not going to want to have to play dartmouth when they're buzzing because they could give you a scare Um, so i agree and do, do I see Dartmouth winning the ivy league because they're four no right now no not at all but do i see the dartmouth fucking up the Ivy league tournament because they, they steal a couple wins because they're feeling it and they're getting after it in the locker room like that. Absolutely. We're also like forgetting the point, like when, it, when it's like around when it's conference championship week or whatever in lacrosse and a bunch of these Ivies will be like needing a win or two. Dartmouth could be the one that says, no, we're not letting you in. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to mess up your, your chances. All right, shout out to the dark guys. Uh, anything else from the past weekend? Uh, uh, no, you want to do? Uh... Yeah, let, let's uh, let's let's go ahead and let's do our weight room of the week. Weight room of the week is brought to us by Shark Chalk. Shark Chalk is a new spin on the traditional gym chalk that's been around for decades. So you go to the gym, maybe you're doing some deadlifts or some hand cleans or whatever it is, and you throw all that chalk on your hand. The chalk gets everywhere. Everyone else in the gym starts they start coughing yeah. because you're you've just got the you th- you act like you're LeBron James coming into an NBA game just tossing chalk all over the place. It's time that we change that, and Shark Chalk's going to do that. It is a liquid. Uh, form of chalk and this is going to improve your grip uh, it's going to reduce the mess it's going to last a little bit longer so shark chalk you can check them out on instagram they're at shark chalk and you can also head over to sharkchalk.com order yourself a couple bottles and put in the promo code lax20 that is going to give you 20 percent off your next order at shark chalk uh listen my why, why why don't you go ahead you'll start because i do have a uh, some discourse to get into the back end of my weight room of the week. 
First off, let me just say something about shark, 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 shark chalk. I had a hard, hard one to say, hard one to say, but go ahead. Yeah, they're going to be like, where are they going to cancel the sponsorship over my peach and spediment? But they, <laughs> they, I had to use it the other day. I got started getting calluses on my hands because being the strongest, fastest guy in Manhattan is, it doesn't get built overnight. And easy cleanup really like got all the calluses gone. It really fixed my hands. I'm not like looking like I'm a child minor anymore. So really appreciate them sending over a bottle. Um, make sure you get yours. Second off, my, my, Weight room of the week is from uh, a historic programs that no prestigious white kids have ever attended, Syracuse and Duke. And that is uh, Alexo from Syracuse. Talk about weight room. He had two moments in this game where he when, – when, co- when youth coaches talk about man ball, I want to make sure that I get the right clip. This – oh, no, not that one. This radio. Nope, not that one. This is why you subscribe to the YouTube right now because everyone who's listening on on Apple and Spotify, they're like, "What the hell is going on?" But if you're watching on YouTube, you see Duke's working hard to get this clip. Bang! Just bang! 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 Ball down, man down. So he had that moment. And this is why, again, you subscribe to the YouTube. Like you go to about the 30 minute mark on YouTube and you could see that hit that we're talking. Bang. Um, the second one, he got held for a holding. I want to hear your call on this. Um, it went a little bit viral on the lax Twitter. Thrown down to Duke player. Jake Naso off that face off. And flags fly. Syracuse on the board. Woo! Thrown down to Duke player. Jake Naso off that faceoff. So Duke says, as one of the top 100 LSMs in MCLA history that graduated in whenever year you graduated, uh, I, I know that you probably are going to have a certain thought on whether or not that check deserves to get a hold call or not. Um, but your, your thoughts on the call. Visually, like, so visually, if I was a ref, I would just see that happen. Like that hat, like, I don't know what just happened. That has to be a flag. Does that make sense? You can't, you can't have a guy just go flying through the air backwards and not. It's like, I have a rule of thumb, just basically like in life, like the optics. If, if it looks like a, if it looks like a penalty, it smells like a penalty. It's probably a penalty. And that's how I think most refs should like view stuff. That looked and felt like a penalty. So I don't mind them calling that flag. The only thing I don't like when you watch, watch it back is the fact that he went over the head on it. Like that he went over the head to try to get the check. And then that's how he got the holding call. Um, besides that, I, I was honestly pretty fine. I didn't get like the, like some people I felt like were like in an uproar about it where I was like, guys, that like, it just looked illegal. It looked like he should have been arrested. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyone who is listening on the podcast right now, chances are like, you've already seen the check a thousand times on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but again, so Alexo goes over the head, lands a, a sick check on Naso, but then, Stick kind of gets caught up in the arm and ends up throwing Naso back like five yards. Um, 
Yeah, I'm actually a little bit surprised by your take there, and it's a very rational take, and I think maybe that's why I'm surprised by it. Um, I, I think I can understand the the desire for people out there to be like, yo, like if if a check is that sick, let's not penalize it. Like let's let's celebrate like how nasty that was instead of throwing the guy in the box for 30 seconds um, and, and giving Duke a man up. And I get that, and like I want to reward like great defense and i think that it, it was a we don't really see too many perfectly timed and landed over the head checks anymore um what i'll say is i don't think if that if if you throw that check on on a regular midfielder or an attackman there's a good chance that that ball comes out of the stick the fact that it's on naso face-off guy head's going to be a little bit warped you got to kind of have a little bit of an understanding that the ball's not going to come out of that stick with a simple over the head check. Uh, so maybe just have a little better awareness because it's going to be a sick check. It's not going to come out. And then the only thing that you're left being able to do is to just fling Naso backwards to try to dislodge that ball. So like, I don't know. I, he got a little bit fucked by the fact that that ball wasn't going to come out anyway. Uh, but the moment that you kind of, pull backwards on it and the guy goes flying like yeah i agree with you like you have to throw that flag so sick original check the mm-hmm. moment you bring that stick backwards that's that's where the hold comes in no, i agree i think it's a pretty rational take yeah um well my weight room of the week is going to be a guy who just got done bullying his way through homewood uh griffin shuts Huge game for the young man at Virginia, four goals on the day and uh, just a, a game that really, really came out and just demonstrated what everybody was so fearful of Griffin shuts for just this big fucking mutant of a man, uh, big old slab of meat who just runs through defenders like it's nobody's business. So Griffin shuts a uh, huge game against Virginia had a couple goals where he just you know, you want to talk about a guy who gets himself to the middle of the field. He's got no problem going to the middle. Uh, but I will say that one part of, of his game that's really caused a, a bit of a, a back and forth dialogue on, on the old Twitter machine, if you will. Uh, the fact that this guy and a lot of other players in college across throws the elbow pads all the way up on the tricep keeps the keeps the elbow completely exposed. And at one point during the game, he catches, I'm sure he he caught a few slashes to the elbow, but he clearly got one uh, that just left a a good old, you know, probably a a solid golf ball sized welt right on his elbow right there. Um, You probably, uh, we we didn't talk about this beforehand. So you probably don't have this uh, tweet ready to, to be dialed up here, but someone said, you know, they, they took a screenshot of that, uh, of his welt on his elbow. And they're like, Hey, like they make, they make a very specific pad to, to cover that part of your body. Um, so that elbow pads not being worn improperly. Yeah, I, I have, it. I have it right here. It's from Vlax film room. So I'll just read it out. I mean, also Diggs had the funniest response to it. Well, Vlax, so, film, yeah. Vlax film room said, uh, someone said, I can't, I can tell you have, is this what you're talking about? No, so someone there. There was another one, and I think it, it, I might have just like a uh, it might have a. It wasn't wasn't it in the same thread that it was like they made it like a very specific, and then this is like how it came out. Yeah, it was probably in that thread somewhere there, but yeah, then Lax Film Room came out, and uh, he's he uh, 
our, our good friend at Lax Film Room mentioned that he cares about wearing pads so much that as he was uh, a, a younger man playing the game as an LSM, he would wear his shoulder pads that has the bicep pads still attached to it. Um, <laughs> to which, to which digs, digs an, goes, an all-time reply. Yo, that boy was food on defense. Automatic green light, which is it, as someone that wasn't that good, like someone that just you know. Me, MCLA good, fine. D1 good, maybe not. Would I – half the battle is, like, not looking trash. Because if you don't look trash, they might not They might not go to you until, like, the third quarter. For two quarters, you can trick them into, be like, that you're good. So if you're wearing bicep shoulders, like, you're getting attacked early and often. You don't want to get attacked early and often. Maybe get attacked in the third quarter, fourth quarter. Yeah, so that's that, that's where I'm at on the, on the elbow pad debate. Like – Listen, there there are a lot of guys out there where you know they're they're wearing the elbow pads all the way pushed up to their bicep tricep area because they want it to look good. And part of that is like, all right, like how how functional is that? Like if you can't feel your forearm by the third quarter because you got you know a couple hacks to the elbow, like is is there a functionality purpose to that or or is it just a drip? But as much as there is a physical aspect of sports. Most of it is physical. We can't just deny the fact, like you said, that there's a mental aspect of the game. So if, if you show up to this game wearing your elbow pads all the way pushed up around your bicep, all of a sudden this defense has to look at, and you have to also look the part too. Like if your Griffin shuts and it looks like you physically can't pull the, uh, the elbow pad down any further because it's just like lodged on your massive arms, then, you know, those defenders are like, fuck, look at this mutant of a man who we have to figure out a way to stop um and even even if griffin shots wasn't supremely nasty at lacrosse he would at least look the part enough to where a defense like they have to be ready for when he dodges now granted he's also sick and he's going to get himself to the middle and he's going to score a bunch of goals but even if he wasn't there's the mental side of it, the intimidation factor that gets it done. Um, but what I will say, though, is it, it is a little bit bullshit, though, to when you hear the um, when you hear the reasoning behind it of, oh, well, you know, the, the elbow pad is just like so comfortable and I don't have like the right like range of mobility to be comfortable. Like it's like, all right, we'll go back 15, 20 years and watch Mikey Powell play college across he was wearing brine ventilators that went all the way down to his wrist. So if a guy like Mikey Powell is able to wear elbow pads that cover up his entire arm, like listen, Griffin shots, great lacrosse player. Don't get me wrong. He's not fucking Mikey Powell. That's, that's for damn sure. So um, I, I think wearing the elbow pad above the elbow is way more of a, I, I want to look good move than a, Hey, there's actual mobility factor behind this disagree but i think that some people do do it for that i think that when defend like lsms do it it's fine well, yeah I, I would never expect a defender to wear full full I, arm guard yeah, like you you do eat some hacks that like they hurt i will say that in my experience of getting hacked like because I, I would wear them above the bicep and like when it hits the elbow once you get to the first whack i feel like the 10th one doesn't hurt yeah, it's, it's not being a goalie. I mean, I might be different because I did play goalie at one point. Like, it's like with, the, with in goalie, like you just get like used to it in some way. 
But I do think that there is a sense with this generation, like the, the gen this generation's idea of swag and drip. Is... Don't get me wrong. It looks, it looks cool. I'm not saying that it doesn't look cool. And I'm also not saying that looking cool isn't an important thing in sports. I'm just saying, don't bullshit me with the reasoning as a, mm. as an offensive player. Don't bullshit me with the reasoning of, Oh, well, I just like don't have the mobility when I am wearing the elbow pad on my elbow to be able to do what I want because yeah. Mikey Powell could do it. And he's Mikey Powell and you're not as, as a defender. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. And the only thing you're really eating, the hacks that you're going to be eating as a defender, like you're mostly going to be getting the head of an attackman who's riding and just kind of like, like if you're an offensive player and you eat a fucking pole, like right on the little, the knob of the elbow. Yeah. Like the next one might not hurt, but that's just because you've lost feeling in your, in your entire arm. Fair. Um, but at the end of the day, Looking good, very important because when you look good, you feel good. And when you feel good, you play good. And when you play good, you're Griffin Schutz, who put up four goals against Hopkins in a big time win for Virginia. Uh, and that is why he is my weight room of the week, brought to you by Shark Chalk. Um, all right. Should we just uh, real quick touch on some games that are going? Maybe not give uh, too much of a. You know, we, we got a big. Yeah. Big weekend of games here. Uh, good Friday night matchup with Duke and Loyola, seven o'clock game. So we'd love to see that. Uh, if, if you were so inclined to like think about who would win that game, I believe, you know, just looking at those rosters and the way that they played, I would think that like Duke would win by somewhere around three to four goals. Um, we've got uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Always a great game just because it's it's football. Big, big, big football matchup there. Uh, so I, I think two really good defenses, maybe Ohio State's defense a little on fraud alert, uh, but that should be a good, gritty Big Ten matchup. Uh, Hopkins and Syracuse at 4 o'clock. Very happy about that time because uh, I'll be coaching a couple scrimmages on Saturday. I've got a scrimmage at 1 and scrimmage at 3. So the 4 o'clock game there, I should be able to catch the second half. Most of these games on Saturday, I'm beat for it. Yeah, it's this is why I fucking hate. Like, it's one of the, the, the during March is always when I go back and watch on Mondays, three thirty mm -hmm. on the battle. I, I hope, I hope by the time someone's listening to this, that Dayton gets the fucking job done on Thursday at three thirty against our next opponent. But I'm going to Dayton basketball on Saturday. I'm in war mode, Jordy. Let's get flyered up, baby. Get flyered up. But yeah, there's a couple of games like Notre Dame, Ohio State will just be, will be, I think that Notre Dame wins by a million just based off the revenge factor of Ohio State getting in over them because of that loss last year. Um, I honestly, like, I, I want to even go all the way back to Wednesday, St. Joe's Penn right in your backyard. I think yep. that that's going to be, by the time that people are listening to this, I think St. Joe's uh, has already secured the W. I think Levi Anderson already had seven goals. Yeah. I mean, St. Joe's taking, you know, a one goal loss to Hopkins a little tough, but like that just proves that they're able to, uh, to, to compete with, you know, some of the best programs in, in the country. And they proved that last year with that uh, tournament game against Yale. But yeah, I, I really like St. Joe's uh, in that game and Penn kind of fizzling a little bit right now. They're sputtering to say, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of good Philly matchups here. It's the Philly. Yeah, is there like something going on? Is that yeah, a classic? So 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how long it's been going on, but you've got Villanova, Drexel, Penn, and St. Joe's. So uh, then later up, coming up this weekend, we'll have the Villanova-Penn game uh, and Drexel-St. Joe's. So uh, and, and, and that's at St. Joe's. So little little home cooking for the Hawks there. Uh, and, oh, last one. Do you see Penn State continuing to bully the nerds, or do you see Cornell getting the job done uh, and, and coming off that big win against Ohio State? and shutting down the Nittany Lions or back tour. I think fuck it. I kind of just want Penn State. I don't necessarily think they're going to. I want I want to lean into like the Tambroni revenge or whatever. Like, but I I think Cornell's better, but I think Penn State just like I want to win. So I'm just gonna say Penn State. So then in a couple weeks from now, if Penn State is good, I could be like, I never doubted them. Um, I've always picked them to win. It's kind of like a high risk, high reward situation. Um, so we've got a, a Tambroni revenge game in Penn State Cornell, and then we've also got Petro revenge in Syracuse Hopkins. Yeah. So, so the Tambroni Bowl and the Petro Bowl. Do you see both coaches getting a win over their former team? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think Syracuse actually does beat Hopkins, and yeah, hundred percent. And then yeah, I'll ride with Penn State. Can I? Do you? Do you know? Did you see? Did you see what's happening on Friday? Beautiful. The the eight o'clock Duke Leola yeah. or the yeah. am I missing something? Not that it's just Friday yeah. night lacrosse is like maybe my favorite thing in the world. Or you know what? It might that that's a seven o'clock game, so even better for a Friday. Yeah, the yes. the St. Joe's Penn is eight o'clock on Wednesday night, but you've already watched that game if you're listening to this on Thursday. Yeah, Duke Leola seven o'clock Friday night. Uh, love a good matchup like that to send us into the weekend. So we'll be sending you into the weekend by letting you know to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at the crease dive on both of those. We are at stool crease dive on TikTok. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, leave a like and a comment. And in the meantime, we'll be keeping it low to high until the day we die. We out. Mm-hmm.